Well, it's good to be back. Timothy here. We're uh, getting right into podcast number six. And what this means is if you're still listening, you are a hardcore podcast listener. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my, name's, uh, my name's Pastor Jonathan. I'm, I'm from uh, Aiken, South Carolina. I'm a pastor at Peace Lutheran. And I'm here with uh, Timothy Borman, my twin. And we are really excited to, we, we, it's taken us six podcasts to get here, but we have arrived to Amos chapter four. And sometimes, you know, Timothy, sometimes I think it's true that a word, you almost have to give people a reason to listen to a word from God to show them there's some relevance here. But sometimes a word from God is... Um, such that it needs no introduction. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have you have Amos getting in here, and especially in our culture, in our time and place where things can, people get so offended so quickly, you hear Amos come out and say, hear this, this is verse 1 of chapter 4, hear this, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women, I mean, <laughs> who gets to... Who gets the? I mean, there's your introduction right there. That's my point. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> holy cows of Bashan. That's right. That's right. You can't say that about women. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, there there is the question there. Like, is that another insult? Like, is he addressing men? And then he calls them women. I I, I think he's addressing women. I think most commentators do think that he's he's addressing women, and then he calls the women cows cows of of Bashan. so what's going on here uh jonathan with uh amos calling them cows of Bashan? well i i was going back in my mind when i was thinking about these verses i was going back in my mind when you and i we had a chance to take that trip to the holy land together and there on the eastern side of the sea of galilee i think is where Bashan is is that right kind of those highlands, those grassy highlands. I'm trying to get my geography straight. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful grazing land. Just incredible, incredible grazing land. And you can almost picture the beautiful grass where, you know, you stick a nice piece of beef out there and <laughs> you know, I'm 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 ready for I want to put a steak on my grill right now. <laughs> This, From Bashan. This grass fed. It's like, it's like Nebraska steak or something like that. It, right? Oh, man. Omaha, Omaha steak. steaks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that a thing out on the East Coast, too? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> what I do know is I like a nice piece of steak. You give me a nice piece of cow, I'm, I'm ready right now. <laughs> so, but you got you to gotta help me with this a little bit because we, we live in a time where this kind of satire because that's what we have here it's satire irony which is where you take it you reverse a traditional symbol or or an image we live in a time where um it's not okay to call women cows right it's it's not okay do you think in amos's time that he knew that this would be something that stung and that and that cut a little bit at these women. Well, we we need to unpack this metaphor 
or you know really this insult out a little bit better because i think i think there could be some misconceptions i mean help me out with it but um you have <laughs> now today in today's day and age you know if your wife comes out of the closet and says does this make me look fat does this make me look like a cow <laughs> you know <laughs> what the first thing let me you know let me just give you guys some advice if there's some men listening is like you say no <laughs> no you, matter what you, <laughs> you say absolutely not um and because in our culture um we have this sort of obsession with thinness um that of course wasn't a cultural phenomenon back then in fact if you were thin it was a sign of poverty and so, you're not eating enough. Yeah. You're, you're you don't have enough money to eat. Yeah. So you're thin. Right. So it, it, there wasn't, I mean, how do you say this nicely? Um, <laughs> I have all these crude ways of thing, you know, but if you're a little bit bigger back then, it, it, it wasn't problematic culturally. And And it probably meant that you were rich, that you were, you were able to uh, eat well, eat nutritiously. Yeah, good for you. You know. Yeah. Yeah, good for you. And so, and you, and you can you can even see this in sculpture, in ancient sculpture. You don't you don't have all these emaciated looking women. Um, I know, like the obsession with teenagers these days is you want to have this thigh gap or something like that, and that you just don't have that kind of weird. Uh, you might say. American obsession now that turns in on itself. So you're, in other words, you're saying that you're taking the edge off of Amos here a little bit and saying maybe it's not such a bad thing to be a cow? Well, I think it is absolutely an insult, but but not in the same, like, oh, you, you're fat, you know, and he's sort of making fun That's of That's not the dig. Yeah, the dig the dig is in a totally different direction. So you can see it's you're fat at other people's expense is really what the is really what the dig is. You cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women, and here it is, yeah. who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and say to your husbands, "Bring us some drinks." <laughs> so, I mean, I want to explore the 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 cow metaphor a little bit more with you. One thing that I've noticed in scriptures is that, especially when you get into the book of Song of Songs, I'm not sure we understand animals the way the ancients did. You know what I mean by that? Like, we might say, like, somebody's a fox, and what does that mean to you? Like, they're... uh, It could be sly. Sly, or, or maybe... Like if a woman's foxy, attractive, attractive. And so we like we associate with different animals, different things. But in the Song of Songs, I think we share some of that. So like a woman's eyes are compared to doves. And, you know, okay, I can get that. But then there's this one part in the Song of Songs where it says her teeth are like shorn goats. You yeah. Remember that? Like, and yeah. I'm like, well, what is that, what is that talking about? If I call my wife, well, you know, you look like a shorn goat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, or a fawn. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like sometimes in the Bible, 
the way people thought about animals then or it's a it's a little bit different with that said like when i think about cows i think about visiting grandpa's farm upstate jonathan and mm -hmm. and i'll kind of walking around that field uh trying to not step in cow pies <laughs> yeah yeah so like yeah i remember that i guess I'm trying to think of one instance in the Bible where it's a good thing to be called a cow. Yeah, it's not positive. It's definitely <laughs> not. It's not positive here at it, all. It, it it isn't, and and the reason. You no, know, yeah, you're right. Like you can be called a fox, and maybe that's positive. Maybe it's not. Like Herod gets called yeah. a fox. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. So and so when you look at who's your animal spirit. You probably don't want it to be a cow. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> they slow. They're slow. They make messes. They're not very smart. They look at you with cow's eyes. Yeah, yeah. like they just stare. There's no understanding behind it. Yeah. So you cows of of patience, definitely a cut. And it's not like Amos. We have to be clear about this. It's not like Amos is down on women or something like that. Not at all. I, he's down on women who oppress the poor. Yeah, so he's he's down on the oppression. And, you know, it, what another thing, and I'll just mention this real quick, is sometimes we have this sort of conception in our heads of what male-female relationships look like in, in the ancient Near East. And, you know, women are oppressed, women are property and things like that. And to some extent, that's absolutely true. But look at this. Here, who's running the house? The, hey, hon <laughs> hey, honey. <laughs> Bring us some drinks. <laughs> so, yeah. This is like the opposite of machismo happening. Yeah, like, machismo. Yeah. I don't even. I don't even think that the most ardent feminist wouldn't say like, "That's my goal: is that one day I can sit down and watch the Super Bowl and tell my husband." to go get me a beer you know like but that's what's happening here yeah. go get go get me some drinks these are very powerful women very yeah. very powerful women so amos is he's going right at it um with satire and, and irony and he he does the same thing again in verse four you know set more yeah. more satire more sarcasm to use that term so he says to them, go to Bethel and sin. So I think that's the only time in the Bible where someone tells you to sin. <laughs> Just let's let's be clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Gilgal. It's never a positive thing. And sin yet more. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, pastor, I'll go sin. <laughs> no, all right, Amos. And bring it. He's going to keep, he's, he's laying it on thick, though. He. Bring your sacrifices every morning. So, like, go way beyond what the law demands. Go every day. Your tithes every three years. So, like, Amos is saying, you're hypocritical, your empty worship. Do it more than the law demand than the the, the, the law demands, and God's going to hate it. It's it's the sarcasm that he's so. And 
it, you know, it goes, it goes in two directions, right? There's, um, there's do, he tells you to sin and he, again, he's being sarcastic. He doesn't actually want you to go ahead and, and sin. Um, but then in the other direction, when you, when you, when you say you're going to follow the law, actually don't follow the law, like break the law, do, you know, go over and above. And, and I don't know, Timothy, if you want to point people to that, that textual note there, but it says, bring your tithes could be every, every three days. And they were supposed to bring it once a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in other words, like you just do whatever you want, do whatever you want, you guys mm-hmm. go. In other words, this is self-appointed worship. It's self-appointed worship. I'm going to, I'm going to worship God, not how I'm told to worship God. I'm going to worship God how I want to worship God. So in other words, it's just another way of saying, just keep sinning. (laughs) This is some of the thickest, heaviest, most cutting sarcasm and irony in the whole Bible. I mean, don't you have that in in verse 5 there too, Timothy? Burn leavened bread as a thank offering. You're not supposed to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you you know that's that's against the law. You don't. You know. And then he says, "Boast about them." You're not supposed to tell anybody. Boast yeah. boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. You're all about your self appointed worship. You you wanna you wanna worship God however you want to worship God, not a, not how He wants you to worship Him. Have you is is this unprecedented in the Bible? Like, can you think of? This kind of biting, stick a knife between the ribs, kind of sarcasm and irony in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's it's no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I I think there's other examples of it, and it's probably more prevalent than than we've even really thought through. Like I I have a bunch of examples in my head about this. Like remember when Elijah had kind of a throwdown with the prophets of Baal. Oh, yeah, that's a good, a great example. And, and then yeah. there, you know, like, okay, let's see whose God consumes the sacrifice. And then the prophets of Baal, Elijah was just hilarious <laughs> in that narrative. Because Elijah's like, maybe he's, maybe, you know, maybe your God's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, cut yourselves. Maybe then he'll listen to you. <laughs> maybe he's taking a trip right now, you know? I mean that is just vicious. Like when it, when you're off worshiping your own god, that's when you have this. And and, and again, uh, how about how about let's t- let's take a couple New Testament examples. You have when people are leaving the leaving Christ behind in Galatians like, "Oh, you know, we it, it, I'm going to leave Christ behind and I'm going to I'm going to get myself right." Uh, by the law, Paul's like, it, and, and so people are. Just, you got to be circumcised. You got to. You got to follow these rules in order to get right with God. Paul says, in the in one of the most memorable statements in the entire Bible, I think, which is, why don't you just go the whole way and emasculate yourself? Yeah. So cut off your your thing. <laughs> yeah, like go the whole, go the whole, and he's being incredibly sarcastic. You think okay? You it's think this example. is how you're going to get right with God? Why don't you just start whacking even more? Mm-hmm. I I actually think in the Bible, 
there's a lot more sarcasm than we even notice. And some of it I think we miss in translation or because we don't understand uh, what's going on locally. Like one of the first times I think that the Bible is sarcastic is way back in the book of Genesis. You know when they're making the Tower of Babel and say, we're going to make this tower that reaches up to the heavens? And I think I think it gets sarcastic in verse Genesis 11, verse 5, where, and a commentator pointed this out to me, but what he said is, it, Moses says this, the Lord came down to see the city. <laughs> so, like, they wanted to reach the heavens, and the Lord's yeah. like, you didn't quite make it yet. <laughs> That's I, can, I can't even see it yet. So it's, it's the Lord the came down. Said. Yeah, the he Lord came down said. to see the city. It's like <laughs> it's still pretty short, guys. <laughs> and an, another one that I think we miss is like in in the Book of Numbers. And there's like actually a lot of writing done about sarcasm in the Bible, but the Book of Numbers, and this is chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-seven, where it says, "Come to Heshbon, let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Sion be established." And and a lot of us would would think, oh, that sounds great, you know, they're rebuilding a city, but that's sarcasm because those are enemy cities. And they they actually don't want them to be rebuilt at all. And so, mm-hmm. so we, like, we miss some of this. And, and Jonathan, there, one, one other example of sarcasm, and we miss this in English translation, is uh, in the book of Ezekiel. In the mm. book of Ezekiel, where you have, uh, in the English translation, you have the, these words, idols, idols. And he, he accuses them of idol worship throughout the book. And I, I remember I texted this over to you because it's so funny. Yeah, me, I know, I know. The I lexicons know. have this word, what they say, it's a pejorative word for it's a slamming word, right? Uh, yeah, like it's it's pejorative and really making fun of. And what it means is log. And <laughs> it's yeah. it's the kind of log you find in the toilet. Yeah, talk about bathroom humor, right? <laughs> Whoa. So he's saying like these logs that you're worshiping and I can't even they're It's human refu- refuse. They're, they're uh <laughs> Four-letter word um, gods, you know, like, <laughs> I can't even say it, so you know I don't get in trouble. Have, you know what they have They're fecal deities, fecal deities. Yeah, that's a nice place. You know what they these all, these circumstances all have in common is, is uh, you might say people, people have these blind spots. And maybe we can call them cultural blind spots. And sometimes the way to reach or get past a cultural blind spot is you have to ridicule it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to use the sharpest tool in the tool. The, you know, you might say the sharpest tool in your rhetorical toolbox to cut past the mess in the human heart. So... So here, for example, and I mean, we can get after American culture on this point too, right? We, 
we live we live quite well here in the United States, maybe in an unprecedented wealth. And sometimes it takes a prophet like Amos to come in and call us cows and show us how maybe we're not doing it for the poor like we should be. Mm-hmm. And we just go, whoa, oh. now I got it. You know who's masters at this, at pointing out our foibles and our sins? It's it's uh, shows like Saturday Night Live. Yeah, like that's they, right. Cartoonists too. They yeah, like if you read the yeah the comics and they just whether you know whatever political slant that you have, you you listen to that stuff and you're like, whoa! It just cuts, 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 cuts right to the heart of the issue, and you're like, oh man, there's there's truth in that, mm-hmm. and and you can kind of listen to it in a whole nother way than someone coming at you maybe directly mm-hmm. for um, what you're doing. This can be, I, I mean, Timothy, like there's a, there's a, our time is going quick, holy mackerel, but w- there's a, you can even do this with the gospel. There's a, there's a really good story of satire in, in the first Lutheran household where Martin Luther was, he was getting beat up by all kinds of heretics. He's dragging around and depressed. And so his wife, Kitty, puts on mourning clothes, puts all black on. And Luther's like, what are you doing? Who died? And Kitty Luther, because she's sarcastic, right? Yeah. And Kitty Luther goes, apparently God did. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're walking around all depressed, and so you can you can use sarcasm to to show you you're living as if God is dead, and He's not. He's a, He's alive and victorious, and so are you as a result too. So uh, I mean, what you're saying is that these are situations when no other words will suffice. What you do is you you get out of your toolbox satire, sarcasm to cut into the the issue um are there times when christians shouldn't use sarcasm and when is it not such a good idea because maybe we use sarcasm too much and then you lose your edge a little bit yeah in christian life i'm talking about wisdom doesn't it it takes wisdom and especially in our cultural environment um I think we when when people are really really sensitive and I'm not I'm not being I'm not making fun of culture I'm living in culture and trying to understand it we have to be really really careful about our use of sarcasm so sometimes when I'm preaching when I'm preaching I'll even say like is it okay for for me to be sarcastic for a second mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> cuz I cuz I realize how it can hit people sometimes and I remember I remember like our professors at the seminary saying, um, don't use sarcasm in the parish in at your churches. Not much anyway, because kids don't understand sarcasm at all. Yeah. Like the little ones, they'll, they'll, they'll think you're actually, they'll, they'll hear go to Bethel and sin and they'll be like, okay, I'll go sit. You know, they, they don't, it's a rare tool. Yeah. They don't understand. And, and it can come off as harsh and unloving 
-hmm. if you're not careful when really it's an act of love when used in the right time with the right people. Right, and I, I think if we're going to use sarcasm effectively and biblically and evangelically and all those different things, then we probably need to use it less than, mm-hmm. than we usually do and kind of pick our moments for it. Yeah, sounds wise. We, Jonathan, I think we got to leave it there, but... Ooh. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should leave it this way is like sarcasm, sarcasm, sarcasm. That's what we've been talking a lot about today. And I, I, I think we should leave it just kind of thinking on Christ and the, mm, I the, like that. the biting sarcasm that he suffered for us, for, mm. for the, our sins. And, um, you know, he just took it all. People mocked him and, and, they said, "Come on down from the cross." He said, "No, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna suffer the insults and the shame, and he's gonna do that so that he could save these people, these cows of Bashan, who sometimes we become, and just take receive that all." Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So uh, next time we're gonna get into the ten plagues of Egypt. <laughs> A little bit like Amos is going to say, look, uh, God took you up out of Egypt, um, but you're starting to act like Egyptians. So you know what Egyptians get? They get plagues. So (laughs) (laughs) that's for next time. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Mm